Uh, welcome to the Wellbeing and Career World podcast. I'm delighted to be chatting with a girl to say yes to everything and everyone. A typical Virgo perfectionist, I'll have to find out what that is later on, trying to spin away too many plates for most of her life until one day was too much and she cracked. She cracked so hard that she had suffered severe burnout leading to a psychotic episode. Even on her darkest days, she wanted to help people never get to where she got to. Now a qualified NLP coach, she helps people feel how she feels now without going through what she had to go through. Today we'll be chatting about mental health awareness. A very warm welcome to the podcast, Sarah Pete. How are you this morning, Sarah? Hi, yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Wonderful. Where are you right now, Sarah, on planet Earth? I am in um, Chelmsford in Essex in England. Oh, very nice. And how is the weather today? Um, it's a little bit grey. Uh, it was cold this morning on my dog walk, very cold. And what type of doggy do you have? I have got a little apricot poodle who absolutely rules the roost in this house. And how old is the and what what's the what's the poodle's name? His name's Lenny and he's two. And is he... he um kept us going all through lockdown. He was a pre-lockdown puppy <laughs> but has spent most of his time in lockdown and now we can't leave him. <laughs> all right. And is is uh, is he eating the shoes? Has he no, shoes he's quite or... good with shoes. No, he's quite good with shoes. He is just very stubborn. So right. um, he does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. But he's good with shoes. He's good with um, wires, cables, things like that. So we don't have any um, chewing going on, which is good. Oh, right. That's good. Well, I'm a big dog lover, I have to say. I like I like dogs most of most humans, but that's for a different podcast altogether. We'll chat about that some other day. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned there regards to Virgo. I mean, I didn't ask you anything about this before. So what is a Virgo perfectionist? What am I missing out on? What, what's so special about Virgos? <laughs> so Virgo is my star sign, um, born in September. And I think for me, whenever I read star signs, it's always been perfectionist um wanting things done a certain way very organized and I've always lived up to that so I don't know much about astrology apart from the fact that it is um apart from the star signs and I read them sometimes about me and I'm learning a little bit more how to work with the moon energies and things like that but um I definitely am not any sort of expert it's very very early on but I do know that Virgos as a star sign are renowned for being perfectionist and organised. And I definitely lived up to that. Right. So I'm a Sagittarius. Do you know what I am? Am I, are we renowned as being lazy? No. Okay. (laughs) I have no idea. Very (laughs) early on in any sort of astrology journey and whether I want to understand more about all of it. So um, yeah, definitely not my area of expertise. I'll I'll Google it later on. So generally, Sarah, our our main chat today... Yeah, it is. Oh, it's very, it's fascinating stuff, I have to say. I think maybe, I don't know, yeah. there was some there last year, I think it was, that my star sign has moved a few days and I'm now something else. But I don't know. Anyway, I'll Google it later on. <laughs> so today we're chatting about mental health. So mm-hmm. what is mental health in your opinion? Because we, we hear this word a lot, being chatted either in the media, um, conversations around the restaurants or the pubs. Well, what is it? Or in the workplace? So I would define mental health as probably the most important thing that you can look after. I would describe it as looking after your mind, your emotions and yourself. Um, we talk a lot about physical health and if we've broken an arm and how we're going to get better and how we keep on top of our physical health. And we are definitely getting there with mental health. 
um, people are talking a lot more now about how they manage their mental health and what they do to keep their mental health well. I think there's still a lot to do in the space of mental health and people being able to express and talk more about it, especially if they're not feeling okay or not feeling like their mental health is in a good place. But for me, mental health is looking after my mind, looking after my emotions and looking after me as a whole. Do you think, Sarah, then that, you know, with mental health, because we know if somebody, say, has a sick stomach or they have a sick heart or a sick liver, we can treat it. But it's very it's very difficult, isn't it, when somebody mentions the word mental health, because it's 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 just so hard, is it, to diagnose? Is that what we're trying? Is that probably part of the issue? And especially because if an individual, for example, is having a so-called happy life and they're, you know, they're feeling good all the time and they can't, probably can't relate to somebody that's suffering from mental health. Do you think that's a possibility in day-to-day life, I mean? Yeah, definitely. And before I experienced any mental health problems or mental illness or poor mental health, I didn't really know how to relate to people that were struggling with their mental health because I had never experienced it. Um, and I think sometimes we live in a society now where we feel like we've got to come up with all the answers. So if our friend is telling us that they're not feeling great, we feel as though we've got to try and fix it for them. That's not our job. Our job yes. is sometimes just to listen and be there for people. And I think what makes it easier with physical health is you can say to someone if they say oh I'm feeling I've got a really something's wrong with my foot you can say oh well you need to go and see a doctor about that and you can almost like shift the responsibility to the healthcare professional whereas if someone says I'm just not sure I feel great today we feel like we've got to try and come up with a solution for them of but we don't we just sometimes just need to listen and I think it's easier for me now having had a mental illness um to be able to relate to how people are feeling and be able to spot signs in others and I think the more we talk about it and the more we share our mental health journeys and what we've been through hopefully the more we will educate people as a society to understand that one it's okay to not be okay two you can get through things and three that sometimes you just need to outlet and listen to others and talk and work through things without having the need to fix all the time yeah I mean that that word fixing do you think that that's an issue sometimes as you mentioned yourself it's great to listen but we're also very good at trying to fix people. But sometimes people don't want to be fixed. Is that is that yeah. generally how it works out? Yeah, and I, I was definitely a fixer. Right. Um, trying to fix everything and everyone and trying to help as much. And I thought I was helping. I really did. And I possibly was helping others when I was trying to fix. Yeah. But I wasn't helping myself because I was taking on everybody else's problems. And then all of a sudden I was the one that then crashed and I was the one that then wasn't really able to to fix myself almost so I do think fixing is a problem and I think it is 
almost in the absence of us not knowing what to say or how to react to the way people are feeling we feel like if we come up with a solution we can almost move on from it right. move on from a difficult conversation you mentioned sarah that uh, you know you, you crashed so how did you crash i mean were you experiencing like panic attacks um what was the initial start so I think a lot of my mental health problems started when I moved into, we bought, uh, me and my husband, um, my fiance at the time, bought a flat um, and I'd never really experienced the responsibility that came with that. Um, my mum, bless her, did absolutely everything for me when I was younger and lived at home and all of a sudden I had to then think about how do I manage a home and at the same time I also took on a really big career step at work um, and was traveling a a long way to get to work each day Um, and I just took too much on but I didn't really recognize it at that point so then we also um, were planning our wedding so I threw myself into wedding planning so I had a lot going on new home new job planning a wedding um, and that sort of went on for a, for a few years of, of those things while we were working through that. And then after the wedding, we got married in Italy, which was absolutely beautiful. And it was what, amazing. What part of Italy did you go to? Uh, we got married on the Cilento coast, Ooh, which very is posh. the coastline underneath the Amalfi coast. It's a lot more rural um, than, than Amalfi. It's more, um, it felt very Italian um and not many people spoke English which I absolutely loved it was really hard to try and communicate but I loved that it felt like it was authentic Italy yes um it was beautiful absolutely amazing and so amazing to the point where when it was over I didn't really know what to do with myself and my jobs had then changed again as well um throughout my career um I'd got used to running the home at that point but still there was a lot that I was taking on Um, And then the wedding was over and I didn't really know what to do with myself. So what I then decided to do was throw myself into a really big project at work, um, which was not the best idea. So I then worked all the hours I was working evenings. I was working weekends. I was working like religiously. I was working so hard. I didn't really have that much time for anything else. Um, And then it came to Christmas and I had had all of my holiday for that year um, for the wedding. So I didn't have any time off over Christmas and we were busy over Christmas trying to get ready for a launch of a product. And I then in January, everybody came back from their Christmas breaks and was all refreshed, all excited, raring to go for the uh, for the new year. And I was really struggling with that but at the same time I then decided I was going to do the whole new year new me and change (laughs) everything and go on a crazy silly diet try and exercise loads try and do all of these extra things as well as working really really hard and it was almost as if my brain just went no you physically cannot take any more on Um, and it was actually I found out there was something that had gone a bit wrong on the project and I really, really struggled with my sleep for a few days and to the point where I was only really getting a couple of hours. And one Friday, the second Friday in January, I'll always remember it, second Friday in January, I just couldn't cope anymore. And I 
physically the end of that working day physically collapsed into my husband's arms and felt my brain pop it's the only way I can describe it it's like a popping sensation um and that started a psychotic episode so for five days from that point I didn't sleep so didn't sleep I was too scared to sleep because I thought if I slept I was going to die because I convinced myself that the pop in my brain was a brain tumour. Right. Um, And I was just exhausted. I was so exhausted. And it was almost as if my brain went, we physically can't take anymore. And it like almost exploded because it was so full at the point where I could no longer do anything. And then during that psychotic episode, um, which lasted for... I'd probably say a couple of weeks. It was really intense at the beginning where I didn't sleep for five days. I was having multiple panic attacks throughout the day. I mean, up to like 20 or 30 a day. Um, And I completely lost touch with reality. So I didn't didn't know who I was. Um, I couldn't make any choices for myself. I couldn't really leave the house because I was, would have a huge panic attack. Um, I believed things that weren't true or weren't real so I thought the tv was talking to me I thought my flat was bugged I thought um that I was in a coma and that my mum and my husband who were looking after me were like my mental health and my physical health and I had to live out all of these challenges to be able to pass the mission which therefore meant I could wake up in the coma so it was really scary and I think what the scariest thing was is that I had never until that point had a panic attack had any sort of paranoia where I thought my flat was bugged or anything like that and it is almost as if it all just came to head at one point and what what was I mean what what is a panic attack I mean what what how do you feel I know you said your brain went pop and yeah. you didn't sleep. But is your heart beating fast? Are you are you sweating? Are you what was your experience? So I had multiple panic attacks and they were all slightly different depending on what was going on in my brain at that point. I remember a really bad one that I had where I had convinced myself that I was actually in labor and I wasn't pregnant, but I had convinced myself that I was in labor and I couldn't breathe. So I remember my mum getting a paper bag and getting me to breathe into the bag. So it was like this wave of, it's it's quite hard to explain if you've not had one, but it was almost as if a wave of the strongest emotion possible comes over you and you, you don't really know how to process it. So the only way you can really process it is to almost outlet all of that emotion as quickly as you possibly can. And that, for me, transpired in different things at different times. So this particular really bad one where I thought I was pregnant and thought I was in labour transpired in my heart beating very, very quickly, not feeling like I couldn't breathe. So feeling like I wasn't able to catch my own breath. So feeling really, really short of breath. Um, and that then in itself panics you even more. So then it's like this perpetual panic that just keeps going until you can actually find some sort of calm. And in that particular one, I managed to start breathing into a bag 
and catch my breath and then my heart rate came down slightly and I was able to then come back down but there would be different things that would trigger me so there was another point where um my husband made me a tea and it was in a mug that was from work so that then triggered the feeling that I was having about work that then wave of um really strong emotion came over me and I remember being really really hot really really sweating um heart beating really really fast and then again you think oh my god what's wrong with me what's happening so it gets even worse um and I I mean he was he was able to calm me down but it's it, it was happening yeah 20 to 30 times a day after never having experienced one before it must be very frightening I mean what what do you do now I mean what can you do or what what can you suggest mm-hmm. to kind of calm down these panic attacks i mean have you learned any any techniques or is there any process that you kind of go through i know you mentioned breathing there but is there anything yeah, that you, so, you would recommend to somebody so i i'm really lucky in the fact that i fully recovered and the fact that it's called a psychotic episode meant that it was an episode and i was able to fully recover from it i um had private medical insurance through my work and was able to get really good treatment through a private mental health hospital so i went on tablets which calmed me right down um and then i went through a lot of intense therapy both group therapy and individual therapy um and then I managed to come off my medication I think four months after starting taking it and then I came um I got discharged from therapy 10 months after um having the psychotic episode and since then I have not had a panic attack I mean I've not had a panic attack since that initial two weeks of what I would class as my psychotic episode um but I now know all my triggers for any mental health problems any um so I know all my triggers I know all of the things that could potentially trigger me back into any sort of psychosis because I learned so much about myself through therapy and I think that was really important Um, and I also just make sure I look after my mental health and it's really small things that we think we hear it all the time it's always the same stuff but the reason we hear it all of the time is because it works yes so it's things like eating really well it's things like exercising um and I don't exercise lots I see some of my exercises just going on a daily walk with my dog is really good exercise and getting fresh air and I do yoga as well so I wouldn't say that you have to be smashing out in the gym five times a week if that's what you want to do great but you don't have to it can be as simple as a daily walk and some stretching which is what I tend to come back to um and meditating journaling all of those things are really important but for me the biggest thing is my sleep right so I know that if my sleep is suffering that for me is the warning sign so I know that's when my brain is almost getting to the point where it's got too much going on trying to process too much stuff which means I need to start paying attention so that is a really big warning sign for me um I think the things with keeping your mental health in check is all around all of the small things that we do every single day that we know are really good for us 
can help towards our mental health. If we stopped just doing all of them, we know that that doesn't help us. And that's when it starts to decline. And that for me is what was happening. So before my psychotic episode, I had a, um, I was not looking after myself at all. I wasn't sleeping well. I was doing yo-yo dieting, going from during the week, having diet shakes, and then at the weekend eating takeaways and all the chocolates. So my eating habits and relationship with food were awful. Um, I wasn't exercising at all. Um, I shut out anything that I loved doing. So I just wasn't seeing the people that I loved spending time with as much as I would normally. I wasn't doing anything hobby-wise outside of work. Um, and then I was really stressing over everything. So my thoughts just weren't healthy at all. The first thing I would do in the morning would be to check my emails and my social media. And the last thing I would do at night would be to check my emails, work emails included, and social media. And then I wondered why I was struggling because my everything I was consuming that was going into my mind, it was full all the time. I was not giving myself any time to like drain all of that from my from my mind it was just constant feed of information of stress comparison work emails looking at people on social media it was um all of this stuff that was just feeding my mind with constant negativity the news and it was almost like I was was like a bit of an addiction almost like an internal self-harm almost and it's like even if you anything negative or anything stressful I could find I would look at it and I would take it all in and I know it would make me feel worse but I I couldn't stop um and then I would obsess and stress over it and I think all of those things that I was doing before I am now able to recognize that if I start to do any of those things I know that that's a slippery slope so I'm able to identify that from all of the work I've done basically and what I've now got is almost like an what I call my internal resilience toolkit so it's like internally I know the things I need to be doing to keep my resilience up which means I'm able to bounce back from things that crop up because life isn't perfect right there's always going to be bumps in the road who knew that we were going to be in a global pandemic nobody could have predicted that yeah so it's not about the fact that you'll always be able to be happy all the time and positive all the time it's about how you ride those waves of when things do come up how do you deal with them so how do you make sure that you're resilient enough to be able to deal with any knocks that come along and for me my resilience comes from all of those things so it comes from sleep it comes from having a much healthier relationship with food where I've ditched the diets for good and I eat healthy and I know the things that nourish my body but I also enjoy the things that I enjoy so if I want to have a bit of cake I'll eat it and I'll really enjoy it um and then what's your favorite what's your favorite cake Sarah oh red velvet red oh, velvet like that. be my favorite cake oh yeah, yeah. cheese frosting we, we gotta like that we do <laughs> <laughs> making me hungry now um but yeah it's all the small things every day and I make sure now that I I'm quite busy I have a full-time job that I do I have a business that I've set up on the side my bit my husband has a business we've got a dog we've got a house to run we've got all of these things so it's not as if I have loads of time to fit all this stuff in it's the little habits that you do throughout the day for me 
that build that resilience up. So it's the five minutes I get where I'm on the sofa and I'm drinking a hot tea and I just make sure I don't do anything but that. And I find a mindful moment in that moment to just think and just let my thoughts process so I can then move on and do other stuff and just trying to find joy in the moments as well. And I make sure that I get up early and do some meditation and do some journaling because I know that helps me. I have had times where I snooze and lay in for as long as I possibly can. And then I wake up and I'm like, don't quite feel as great today. Today, So I wonder why that is. And then I'm like, the days I wake up, up and I do some meditation and some journaling and go on a really nice dog walk and things like that I feel so much better so why would I not do them <laughs> so it's like a constant habit you have but I want to ask Sarah then just go back a little bit that mm-hmm. you mentioned there you were you were working kind of 24 7 you were like a workaholic you had a project and yeah did your work colleagues notice anything different with you um like maybe different stresses, maybe under pressure a lot. Maybe they noticed something a little bit off that maybe wasn't typical Sarah, so to speak. And then did your family notice anything? I mean, is that one of the biggest problems as well, where the family might see something, but they might, ah, she'd be grand. She'd be grand next week. And the company might see something, yeah. ah, she's grand, but she's being pr- productive because she's doing her job. She's, she's doing a great thing. She's, yeah. she's doing the work of five people. So let her at it. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so you don't, yeah. everybody ignore Sarah. She's doing a great job. Like, that's it. Like, so, I mean, how, how did that work out? I mean, were they kind of shocked when this all began to blossom or come out? Yes, definitely. So I have always been the strong friend. The one that gets through anything, the one that works really hard, the one that's organized, the one that's on top of things. I've always been that person. So I think it came as a real shock for people when it happened. So we just think back previous to as I was sort of really struggling just before I had the psychosis. I think people probably noticed a difference. And I definitely now reflecting and looking back and see that there was things that were said to me and things that were like, are you sure you're okay? And I remember crying quite a lot at work, which I don't tend to normally do. Um, And people saying things don't quite seem right. But I ignored it all. It's almost somebody could have been flashing a sign in front of my face saying, you are going to have a psychotic episode. And me going no, shut up, that's not going to happen to me, and pushing it to one side and going, that will never happen to me. I was that person that was like, I will never have time off work. I will never have a mental illness. It won't happen to me. You hear it happens to everyone else. It will never happen to me. And therefore, I think everyone thought, it will never happen to her. She's fine. She'll be able to get through this. So even though people were saying things to me and even if they come all bells and whistles screaming in my face telling me this is going to happen to you I'd be like no don't believe you so I think there's an element of people can spot things in you but also you've got to try and spot it in yourself because if you don't believe what they're saying to you you're just going to carry on doing what you're doing anyway so it's almost as if I I was like no I mean that's not going to happen um so it I I think now in hindsight, and I've had conversation with friends and family since, there was a lot of warning signs that I think I completely ignored. And I think other people probably 
store but thought she'll be okay and she seems to be ignoring it herself and, and I think that's possibly a problem in today's society that we think it will never happen to the strong friend and it we think it will never happen to the person that always seems as though they've got it together and it's probably worth just checking in on those people and even if they say they're okay dig deeper and ask the second question if you've got a hunch or an intuition about that you think maybe they're not yeah I mean is, is there is there it's kind of it's an interesting thing there because you mentioned previously as well with regards to um your email and social media that you would check it out and then before you went to bed or in the evening you would check it out again has has that changed at all especially because Ooh. we hear a lot of negativity and I for me personally I'm, I'm, not, I'm not on it but I I find it interesting when you see, I'm not going to say celebrities or individuals in particular, and they're, they're upset because something's been said about them on a certain yeah. social media platform. But my attitude is, well, just get off it. Don't, don't, <laughs> just, just press, you know, you have, you have the right to, you know, you signed up yeah. to this. You have the right to get exactly. off it and just get on with your life. Just fresh air outside. I know it's easier said than done. I'm just talking here, but this is my kind of way of saying how, how did you now look at that? So has your whole thought process changed with regards to when you look at something on social media or, or email? Or do you take it yeah, to heart absolutely. as much? I mean, if it's a no, negative column, not. do you go, oh, look, that's, you know, there's always a positive to a negative. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've totally changed my whole relationship with my phone and social media. So I completely deleted all of my email work apps off my personal phone so now I only answer my work emails in work time so when I finish at six o'clock and my laptop lid goes down that is it people know you cannot get hold of me unless it's absolutely urgent and there's only a couple of people that have my personal number but I will not be checking anything so firstly that definitely secondly social media I have such a love-hate relationship with social media I think it is amazing so many things it is such an enabler it is so good for businesses it's great to connect with people but it also has such a negative side to it so you have to try and keep yourself you have to have better social media boundaries I think that's the only way you can do it it's there it's out there it's it's sort of the world we live in now, social media, and props to you to not being on it because I think it's really hard to not be on it now with the way that the world is sort of changing and um, growing businesses and things like that. So the way I manage my own social media boundaries is I don't have any notifications that come up on my phone. Yeah. So I physically have to go into all of my apps that includes my whatsapps because I'm a member of lots of whatsapp groups and if that was constantly <laughs> pinging on my phone every day I would be so distracted so yeah. I only ever go into whatsapp or into instagram or into any other social media app when I have got the time to do it so I'll sit down sometimes with a tea sometimes just with Lenny on my lap or sometimes I'll just flick onto it but I'll be much more mindful about doing it And then the other thing I make sure I do, so that really, really helps having boundaries around the notifications because otherwise I would look at it and go, oh, they want something and just get back to them straight away and then I'm completely taken away from whatever I'm doing. Yeah. The other thing that I think really helps is on social media is we have control over what we consume on it. So if something makes you feel like crap, 
unfollow that person if you don't want to unfollow that person just mute them on your feed because it might be a family (laughs) member right and you don't want to unfollow them just mute them so you don't see it and you can then start following and there are so many Instagram that people on Instagram that are so like inspirational now yeah you follow more people like that and then you can curate your feed to how you actually want to feel so you can you have more control over it than you realize I know that there's advertising and I know people are picking up data and sending you things but you have the right to be able to delete that or say that the ad is inappropriate or unfollow people and you can change your feeds I remember waking up one morning and thinking oh god you know I feel really really good today I'm gonna go to the gym um and I went to the gym and I did a workout and I came back and I thought I'm gonna have a little look on social media and I'm gonna have a look at some people and see if I can build myself my own workout plan so I was googling a few different people and obviously a lot of the people I'm looking at are personal trainers and fitness models at this point because I'm trying to find some sort of like program about what I want to do in the gym and then I remember really clearly walking into my bathroom and then looking at myself in the mirror and a voice going oh my god look at the state of you and that was literally as a result of about an hour on social media probably not even that long probably more half an hour on social media looking at fitness models and fitness plans now I can recognize that now because of the work that I've done and because I know and I was like whoa okay let's not do that again because that clearly came up because you felt great this morning that came up as a result of looking on Instagram looking at a load of fitness models seeing how beautiful their bodies are and then judging your own body against that that's not okay so now and I literally went back straight away and unfollowed those people because I was like that's how that's made me feel now I can recognize that but some of our like teenagers and children can't and it does upset me a little bit to think that that's the sort of society that we're growing up in that you start comparing yourself to people on social media so I mean I feel like we could probably do a whole podcast on social media so maybe we should uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. there on social media before I run even more on it <laughs> no it's fine I said it's it's the reason I came up and I'm on LinkedIn but the reason I came off it was because I was I became quite new to it quite late on and I remember I was getting these requests from people I hadn't met and I went to school with and I hadn't seen them for maybe 15 or 18 years, maybe longer. And they send you a request and I go, oh, that's such and such. And oh, I send them a little message. Hey, how are you doing? No reply. And then I go, okay, this is weird. And then and I might see them probably out in, in, in the town probably a few weeks later. And I was like, did they say, did they send me that request or did I? And I just, I taught like, I taught all these social medias like have a bit of a laugh and connect with people and a bit of banter, mm-hmm. but it just seemed to be, was more about, oh, how would you say it? It's about what people had. You know, I got yeah. a new car today. <laughs> me and the family yeah. went on holiday. I mean, I just went, oh, I can't be having any of that because my personality is generally, I'm quite open, probably like yourself, Sarah, in a way where mm-hmm. I chat a lot and I talk a lot. I want to have a bit of a laugh or as the Irish used to say, a bit of crack. And yeah. <laughs> he was kind of, you know, a bit of a giggle and stuff like that. And I just couldn't. I said, well, why do, why do you request me on Facebook? Or why do you request me on this when they're not mm. going to interact with me? And I went, oh, forget this. I'm, I'm out of here as quick as possible. So <laughs> LinkedIn, yeah. LinkedIn was the only one because it's, uh, it's um, I'm just there as, as a face and a name. Yeah. And, and that's it. I don't have to interact with anybody if I don't want to. But uh, enough about me. I'm boring you. Anyway. Getting back to the, to the fitness models, the only type of model I would be probably a hand model. 
So <laughs> because I, I think I have a I have a body and a face for podcasting. It's not really, you know, it's it's not really yeah, uh, especially without the video. So I think hand modeling is probably the best I'd probably go for. Anyway, enough of my stupidity. So tell me this, Sarah, if you were to go back in time. Mm-hmm. And speak to yourself or your younger self. So we talk, we have like an Avengers Infinity War or Endgame at the moment where they go back in time to save the planet. What would you do? What would you say to yourself, anything different? Do you know what? I actually don't think I'd do anything different. I think I would say to myself, it's okay. Life will probably be full of roller coasters and there will be ups and there will be downs. Learn how to ride them rather than expect that it's going to be plain sailing and that everything you go through in life you grow through it and no matter what you will always be exactly where you're meant to be so it might sound really strange that I say that having been through what I've been through but if I hadn't have been through that I wouldn't be the person I am today So I actually wouldn't change it as horrible as it was to experience psychosis. And I know that it was probably really hard and probably more harder for my mum and my husband to see me like that. And for my friends and my family to know that that was happening. But personally, I actually wouldn't change it because I genuinely think that the experiences that we go through shape who we become and I think what I would probably say to my younger self is there will be bumps in the road and that's okay like you don't have to and not everything has to be perfect not everything has to be plain sailing learn how to ride the waves I saw a great quote the other day that said the waves will always be there just learn how to surf them yeah that's brilliant it's I think even by you coming on this podcast I mean it's it's a lot of bravery um because there is a lot of individuals struggling through life not just at the moment but through life in general and I think for yourself to come on here and chat about it and and discuss it is uh it gives other people hope and um it gives them inspiration as well so so well done to you so let's talk about something positive now I'm not saying Mm -hmm. I'm not saying everything that you've gone through is all negative because you said yourself it's like mm-hmm. the waves has made you stronger. But you're now yeah. a NLP practitioner. So yeah. what is this? We hear all these fancy names and fancy abbreviations. Just tell us the words. What does NLP mean? <laughs> tell us. <laughs> NLP means neuro-linguistic programming. So okay, what let is that me break about? it down. So neuro, <laughs> neuro is the way that we absorb information through our five senses. So what we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we taste, and what's the other one? Uh, What we feel, so what we touch physically. So it's the way we process information through those senses and take it internally. So that's the neuro bit. Linguistic is the language that we use. So it's the language we use with others, um, the language that we use internally to ourselves. And then programming is the strategies and behaviours that we run internally. So um, the way we deal with things, the habits we've got, the behaviours we've got, the traits 
and why we do them. So what neuro-linguistic programming does, or NLP for short, and you probably now know why we shorten it. So NLP for short (laughs) is break down the reasons behind why someone does something to either prevent them from doing it or change something about a behavior. So there's lots of reasons. There's lots of things you can use it for. Um, You can cure phobias with it. So I've uh, cured phobias and worked out the root of why someone's got a phobia of something. And you can then do what's called an NLP technique. And that particular one is called phobia cure. Quite simple. Um, And the techniques that we use are a, a variety of different techniques, but they're essentially getting parts of different emotions and anchoring them to other parts of um, what you've been through or what you're going to go through and things like that. So it's really clever the way it's done. I felt I, I feel like I fell into NLP or it was almost as if NLP was delivered as a present to me from the universe that this is the next thing you need to do. When I fully recovered from my um, psychosis and when I finished my therapy, we just got into lockdown, actually, because that was then the next year. And I then decided I really wanted to help people. And I think because people had been seen what I had been through, they had then started asking for bits of advice. And I could only ever go off my own experience and the therapy that I had. Um, And I found that alone was really good to give people advice and was able to give tips on like self-care and how to look after yourself more and boundaries and things like that. Um, But I wanted to do something a little bit more structured and I wanted to get some sort of training and qualification to say, this is actually how I can properly help you now. Um, And that has now transpired into a coaching business, Um, well, coaching and a speaking business. So speaking about the journey that I've been through and then coaching others on the things that they do, why they do them, breaking them down. So essentially they can be, do, have whatever they want from life. It's almost as if you set an outcome of what you want and then you look at every single roadblock that you've got on the way and work out how do you overcome that. You can work on things like limiting beliefs that you've got and a lot of the things and the the why we do things the way we do them, the root of them have come from probably between zero to seven years old, which is when we are building our maps of the world, like how we interpret the world. Um, So therefore, later on in life, when we get a certain piece of information, we put it through our what we call perpetual filters, which are delete we delete information to then make it fit our map of the world we distort information to make it fit our map of the world and we generalize information to make it easier for us to absorb to to allow it to fit our map of the world so that's why the same person can get two bits of information and consume it and interpret completely differently even though it's exactly the same piece of information based on what they believe to be true about themselves and the world it's fascinating, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I now find people so interesting, so interesting. And I think before I would have been like, I just don't understand why that person has done that or why they did this or why they did that. And now I go, I wonder what happened to them when they were younger for them to react <laughs> that way or do this behaviour or do that. Um But the great thing about NLP as well is it can be done quite quickly. So it can be quite easy to find a 
like memory or reason why you do something because we we use hypnosis as well so we use a lot of um, work with the subconscious mind so a lot of the um things that you can't necessarily consciously recall but it's all in there and it comes out and it can be done a lot quicker than talking therapy sometimes so if someone wants to get in touch with you now i know we unfortunately i kind of slated social media there a few minutes ago but if they need to get in touch <laughs> with you <laughs> um for any of the services that you provide uh, where how do how can a listener get in touch with you so it is through social media at the moment i'm still working on my website so social media i am um, at I am Sarah Tate and then I'm on Facebook at I am Sarah Tate which comes up Sarah Tate coach and speaker and will the website be done in the next coming months or yeah probably over the next couple of months which will be sarahtate.co.uk brilliant so before we go so what would you say to someone who is finding it difficult at this time so we forget about the pandemic we'll forget about you know, coronavirus or anything like that, or what would you say to somebody at this moment who needs a bit of help, maybe struggling mentally? What what can they do? The first thing I would say, there is always light, even in the darkest of days, always. Even if it's a tiny, tiny crack of light in the door, there's always light in the darkest of days. I would then say practically, talk to somebody talk to a friend talk to a family member talk to a trusted person talk to a therapist talk to a coach talk to a charity just talk get it out of your mind and we always say a problem shared is a problem halved right so just get it out by talking it will just help so much I would also then say check in on all of the things we've been talking about on the podcast so things like how is your sleep um could you build some sort of better routines around your sleep could you have less screen time before bed could you set up some sort of evening ritual that means that your body knows that it's sleep time I've just bought myself blue light blocking glasses which uh, um help with deeper sleep um, and makes me wake up feeling even more refreshed so things like that around your sleep definitely for me is a big thing How's your diet and relationship with food? What are you putting into your body? And therefore, what are you then using that energy to then be able to do? The more um, good stuff you'll put in, the more good energy you'll get out. Um, And what are you doing? Have you stopped doing all the things you love? And how can you bring some things back into your life that you love? Even if it's really, really tiny things like watching your favorite TV program or drinking your favorite drink or eating your favorite food. Bring back in those things that you love. And I also absolutely swear by gratitude. I know that people sometimes struggle to find things they're grateful for if they're feeling crap. But there is always something to be grateful for, even if it is the fact that the sun rose that day, or even if it is the fact that you've got hot water or electricity. There's always something. So Try and start to find the small amounts of gratitude that you can in your day. What that will do is allow your mind to start focusing on more positives. And then you'll start to find that that will just naturally build and grow. That's great advice and great suggestions. And it's a very inspirational, as, as I mentioned before, that you're, you're, uh, you're speaking about this. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Sarah, I'm most grateful to have my hair. I'm 45 yeah. and I wake up in the morning and go, 
well done, Dave. We haven't lost any more just yet, but they're, they're going <laughs> grey, Sarah, which is not, not too good. But uh, I just want to say thanks so much to Sarah Teach, uh, NLP practitioner. We know all about that now. Uh, for joining me on the uh, Wellbeing and Career World podcast, I will place in all of Sarah's links uh, to her social media. And uh, when the website is up and running, we'll put the link in for the website as well. So thanks so much, Sarah, for chatting with me today on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.